More and more badass women are joining the ranks as highly skilled construction professionals. Construction and renovation projects wouldn't happen without the skills of the various crews involved. As we all know, the skilled trades have been male-dominated for like forever. In this season, I'm highlighting the amazing women doing their thing in the construction sector. Every journey and every story is different, but they are all inspiring. Have a listen as I learn about their stories. Hello and welcome one and all. Today I have Nicole Wheat on the show and she has an uplifting trade and I know that of her as she runs a local meetup for women in trades that I can't seem to get to and I'm going to really try to get to it tomorrow actually. Um, and as I conceived this series, she was someone that I absolutely knew I wanted to have on the show. So Nicole is a journey level IUEC elevator constructor and only the fourth woman to achieve this distinction in her local and has served two terms on the executive board for that governing body. She's also a founding member and currently the president of the BC Trades Women Society which is a partner in obtaining government funding to improve culture and retention of tradeswomen. And she sits on the governance board for BCC WIT and was on a planning committee and attended as a speaker at the inaugural BC, sorry, Women Build BC Conference for Trade Women in 2021. She spends her free time adventuring with her partner and attending Whitecaps football matches where she aided the creation of an inclusive and safe supporters group named the South Sisters versus the South Siders. Um, welcome, Nicole. I'm like so stoked that you're on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Brandy. It's lovely to almost meet you in person. I know, tomorrow, right? <laughs> tomorrow I will see you at the, the meetup. Yeah, the it's uh, the third Tuesday of every month here in New yeah. Westminster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, for anybody who is a tradeswoman and is in this local area, be sure to uh, check it out. Yeah, it's, uh, we usually post it on our BC Tradesman Society Facebook group. So yeah, find yeah. There. so we'll put a link to that um, uh, Facebook group in the show notes and anybody who's listening can check it out. All right, so let's get into this, Nicole. I'm like so excited you're here. I can't get over it. Um, so what was your path into the trades? So very typical for the elevator industry, uh, nepotism. So my grandfather was an elevator mechanic and my dad is an elevator mechanic. Well, retired now. He's been retired for five years now, I think. But I grew up watching them do their job. I used to go with my dad and uh, in the summer and on the weekends when he had calls and ride along and pass some tools here and there where it was safe. And I, I was actually very fortunate where my dad always encouraged me to use tools when I got my first car. I did my first oil changes and showed me how to change a tire. So. I was very fortunate to grow up in an environment where I was always using tools. We built our house and that was a lot of fun to be a part of. So I went to university for about three and a half years, wasn't feeling it. My dad mentioned the elevator trade uh, to actually someone else in my vicinity. And I was like, me, I'm doing that. And he was like, yeah, you could, you could totally do this. Let's go for it. So he helped me uh, get in touch with the union, write the aptitude test and and then it was me from then on. So that was in 2008 is when okay. I started. So um, to get your ticket in the elevator trade, is it a four-year similar to like pretty much anything else or? Yeah. Yeah. It's very similar to most trades. You 
first have to get into the union, which takes about six months. And then every year around September, school starts. So I started in August. So by the time my six months came up, it was 2009 in the spring. And then in that September 2009, I started my first year of school. And school runs all through the union. So it's all paid via our union dues. And it's during the week nights so that we don't have to miss work. So we don't actually take a break like the traditional trade. But that's the same four years, exam yeah. after each year, mechanics exam at the end as well. And then just as I was becoming a mechanic, the Technical Safety BC created a new program. So they also certify us. So we have to have our hours submitted as well as a final exam with them as well. So I have oh, wow. two exams at the end. So okay. certified via my union and Technical Safety BC as a class A mechanic. Wow. So was it always just the elevator trade for you or did you kind of think, oh, well, what, what else would sort of capture you or was it just, nope, elevator is it for me? It was always the elevators because I hadn't thought about trades until that moment. Right. I was an academic all through school, did really well uh, in school. So it was just like, the focus was like, obviously you're going to go to university because, you know, that's where someone goes to us straight A's. And then, yeah, it's, university was just not for me. And I just, because I'd grown up around the elevator trade, my dad's best friend and him always together, chit-chatting and talking about the job. It just, it was something I knew I'd be interested in. That would always keep me interested, always be changing with technology. So I would never be bored. So I was just yeah. like, you know what? That's the one for me. Didn't even consider anything else. Now I do. There's some other trades that sound really interesting, but at the time, that's kind of the only one I knew. And you said that you were like one of, like, I guess the fourth woman to get your- I'm a mechanic. Yeah. We have 12 currently in BC though. We've huge number growth the last, the last three or four years, which is amazing. Right. So, and so your experience is like one of the, like, the trailblazing women in this field H how did you find your acceptance into the group was or were did you get any pushback from that or anything like that because that's a big thing for women considering the trades they always wonder hey like am i gonna be accepted am, is there gonna be a lot of pushback am i gonna be you know welcomed <laughs> in essence like did you have any sort of horror story experiences or did you have some great mentors that you want to maybe share about yeah, well, of course, my father and my grandfather were both very excited and supportive. Like, they're both two of the biggest feminists in my life. Like, I, I, was, I was so lucky there. I didn't try to, my dad is like the sweetest man as well. He is so sweet and thoughtful and quiet. And the last person to create drama or looking for an argument. So when I did have a little issue here or there, I didn't, I didn't bother him with it. And I just kind of dealt with it myself. At the beginning, there was definitely uh, a few people that didn't, feel like I should be there but I quickly proved them wrong and then my dad of course always was happy to answer questions and I had a, a couple of the older mechanics the old grumpy mechanics actually that really loved me like they just I put their tools away properly I always tried to be a step ahead organizing and they were so impressed by those little things that came naturally to me that they yeah. took under their wing and everyone else kind of fell in the line they're like oh well if Daryl likes her, then yeah, like, I've never, yeah, there, I, clearly if there's something there. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I really do hear and I felt it myself that skill is a great equalizer. Like mm -hmm. you could maybe not like what someone has for lunch today, but you know, if you're doing a good job and you've got the skill to be there, people can't really complain that much. Like, no, they, they yeah. Really also, like I was because my father and grandfather were in the trade, I had that buffer as well. I wasn't just a woman getting into the trade. 
I was someone's daughter who was right. in the parade. So I definitely had that buffer. And I try now for the sisters getting in, I find usually the unions, the union's great. Like the, the leadership in my union right now is fantastic. They're, they're very progressive. Uh, one of them has taken the be more than a bystander training that BC yes. Center for Trades puts on, which those types of things make, make a huge difference. They've been super supportive of me and, and having that leadership step up like that really made a difference. And so the few people that complain here or there are usually few and far between. And, you know, there's such a minority of a voice that it doesn't really make that much noise. But yeah. I do make sure that the sisters that come in now, that I meet them, COVID was a little bit weird for some of them because, yeah. but I make sure I, I know where they are. I add them to a Facebook group. I mentor, I make sure I know who they're working with, but at the beginning, like yeah. one of the ones working with one of my old apprentices, Taylor, and I was like, Taylor, like, you know what it was, you know, it's like, you've seen, you've seen what I've had to deal with, like, make sure she's treated well. If you have any issues, come to me. And uh, of course they've all excelled. Like all the women right now are just doing fantastic. I hear from the brothers they are like, oh, that sister, she's so good. Like she outworks all the guys. And, and I love, I love hearing those stories because having the brotherhood support the sisters, that makes all the difference. Like you can fight so hard on your own, but when the brothers are fighting with you for you yeah for the equity it just it's so much more impactful and and we've more or less gotten to that point there's you know there's always going to there's be a, yeah um, <laughs> well what i want to commend you on though is really taking a stand and advocating and and reaching out because it's you know it seems like it would be a natural thing to do but not everybody does it so i i really do want to acknowledge you and applaud you for for making a point of doing that because I think anybody who's coming into the trade um you know just having that reach out of a hand and here's my name and here's my number and all that kind of stuff is just like hey I'm being welcomed here and I'm not totally alone and all that kind of stuff so I, I totally want to give kudos to you for doing that yeah I wish these networking groups that we have uh, whether it be Facebook or Instagram, there's there's like a blue collar women on Reddit. Like there's all these options now that didn't exist when I, I trade and probably when you started the trades. And, <laughs> yeah. and there were times where I felt so alone because I started out on the island too. And there's just, there was less people. And I often would not see a woman on the job site. And and I just want to really make sure whether it's my trade or another trade, like I tried to go up to women and be like, hi, here's a sticker. My name's Nicole. Have you heard of these networking groups? You're not alone. And not every woman wants to be a part of those groups. Nope. And that's something you have to totally understand as well. That That might be their coping mechanism or just who they are, right? So I try to be very just aware of everyone's different everyone's coming a different uh place a different normal and i just try to be welcoming when when they're ready for it but absolutely but I mean, to, at least didn't have at least there's an invitation there as yeah, opposed sure. to like a cold shoulder right so whether they accept the invitation or not is on them but you can only do the invite and you know if the invite's not there they can't accept so yeah. right um so tell me more about a, a couple of the things that you do to you know create community within the trades for women i know that you have you're the president of the bc trades women's society so maybe share a little bit more around all of that work because that's a relatively new ish yeah. um sort of governing or body of, of idea that wasn't there like 
whatever, even what, five years ago, I think it was what, three, four years old? Uh, 2017. So yeah, five years now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it goes quick. <laughs> I know. Well, um, and then we had COVID in there. It was just, yeah, which just kind of like stopped time a little bit, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, so there was a group of kick ass ladies, union, non union, all different trades, some from the island, some from the mainland. Uh, we were all kind of networked, and Lisa Langdevin actually was the one that brought us all together. She's the original president. And we wanted to create the BC Center for Women in the Trades, something like that. Yeah. They had some stuff on the East Coast. We're like, we want to do that too here. So we're like, we create this society in order to go after funding, then realize that, like the government's not going to give this group of tradeswomen <laughs> funding. So we created the BC Tradeswomen Society and then partnered up with the ITA, who was it? The ITA, or not the ITA at the beginning, sorry, the Build Together, the Building Trades. BC Federation of Labor, CLC, LNG. And we partnered up with them to go for funding together as a group with mm -hmm. over half of our representation being tradeswomen for the government. And we were able to get the funding and that's what created the BC Center for Women in the Trades. So we created the society in order to get the funding for the BC Center for Women in the Trades. So we work so much hand in hand. We have three, um, three reps at that table at all time. And and uh, it's been, it's amazing. It's amazing. So we've now still doing the same kind of work. We just make sure we do everything with our hands being, you know, holding hands with BCC wit and making sure that we're uh, working together and, and helping them where we can do stuff that they can't. And, and they're so great at helping us. And there's so many train, so much training and stuff like that. Like the regional rep training. Have you taken that training? No, I keep meaning to. And yeah. um, I just, I, I just try to fit it into my skin. <laughs> I know, right? But I, 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 it's, it's on my radar, absolutely. Um, and I missed the uh, nominations and stuff for BC Trades Women's Society last year. I had some personal stuff going on that just precluded me from taking on anything else. But when it comes around again, I'm, I totally am interested in being part of that. So make sure you hit me up. But oh, for sure, we'll be, we'll be splashing that everywhere because yeah. that's the more voices, the better, right? Oh, and absolutely, yeah. It's an so, amazing board right now, actually. It's there's so much diversity in our board, which I just love. And that there, uh, Lisa Scott is up with two of the other women from the board right now, up in Quinell doing a trades discovery. They did a trades discovery for young girls last week, and this week it's Indigenous youth. And oh, how cool is that? Yeah, it's, it's so it's so great. They're just they're doing so well. The pictures and looks fantastic. Everyone's having fun. All the parents commenting about how great it was and how much their their children loved it. So, it's oh. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Um, so tell me a little bit more about the the BC uh, Women Build BC, the conference that went on, and how did that come to be? And and you know you spoke at it like. Um, how, like what 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 is all that about and are is there going to be in like a 2022 or a 2023 version of it um and you know totally again hit me up I'll speak so that was part of the funding that we got with the original funding from the government had we had to do a conference so that was our we'd done something once before years before and like 2016 maybe it was so long ago I spoke at that one actually with Catherine Room which mm. was the first time I met her and was like fangirled all over her but um <laughs> she uh she was amazing I was just like ah but uh so part of our funding was to create that so of course it was supposed to be in person originally yeah. COVID happened it got delayed and so it was kind of copied after a little bit women uh 
trade uh, build nations. Sorry, it's all the different. I know they're all the different. I know they're all so similar, but slightly different. So it's slightly copied off of that where we wanted a conference by tradeswomen for tradeswomen. Right. We also added in that group of companies and unions to really kind of bring everyone together and, and show companies and unions and business what they can do to support women in trades and how much of an asset diversity in their workforce is. And then all these awesome different conference uh, workshops and stuff like that for women in trade. So we pivoted to online, of course, as everyone, did. everybody did. And it was super successful. It was really fun, like down to like the t-shirts and the logos and the speakers. And I just told them, I'm happy to speak wherever you want me. I'm just so, I, lo I love speaking for these types of things. It's so rewarding. And you're always speaking from the heart about something that means so much to you. So I find it it's very easy and so rewarding. So I was just happy to speak anywhere. And the speakers were amazing. I like wouldn't even be able to pick a favorite one. I think they post a lot of the stuff is on the their YouTube channel as well still. So oh, cool. you can always go back in and take a look at those. But yeah, I hope that there's going to be another one. I'm not sure. We'd have to go after funding again for it again. Right. But uh, yeah, I should bring that up the next meeting in September and ask. You heard it here. <laughs> um, so... I mean, I, I just love that you're so involved in all of these, these, these initiatives and all that kind of stuff. So if you were to um, meet a woman who was considering the trades, what would you share with them? And like, how would we like attract them into the trades, whether it's elevator or like my trade joinery or carpentry, electrical, plumbing, you know, whatever, like, what do we say? to like encourage people to not, not only women, because, you know, we're talking about women here, but you know, trades is a really great field for anybody, no matter how you identify. So what would we be saying to them? What, what are we doing to try and, and convince them to come into the trades? I, I do a little bit of a multifaceted approach. So I talk about how you learn so many skills that you can use in your home. You can be artistic, especially with joinery, like woodworking and stuff yeah. like that. But like metalworking, some of the art I've seen on like our networking groups, it's just beautiful, whether it be wood or metal, like it's amazing. I also talk about how with a lot of these, not so much elevator trade, but with a lot of the other ones, you can actually branch out on your own and be your own boss. Like there's yeah. a total option. There's some people think of trades, they think of like hard work on your body and you know, you're crippled by the time you're 50 and you can't do anything. And I, and I say, there's always work smarter, not harder, work together as a team. And also you don't have to be on the tools for your whole career. You can go into instructing, you can get a union role, you can go into sales, supervisor, you know, safety. Like there's so many different options that people don't even think about. Or yep. also you don't have to stick with one trade. There's multiple people that have like dual ticketed. Like there's so yep. many options. Also, I bring up the pay. The pay is fantastic. There's a lot of union work out there in the trades as well. Yep. So often you have pensions, great benefits, and it's so nice not to be saddled with tens of thousands of dollars of student debt. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Most trades, you don't have to worry about this. A lot of trades, especially the union ones, well, you can pay for your schooling, which is really fortunate. Some companies do. And even if you do have to pay, it's not a crazy amount of money and you're making decent money right out of the gate right from the beginning which just puts you ahead oh totally yeah absolutely um so i mean what what have you liked the most 
about being in the trades? I love building and fixing things. I've always been very tactile. I'm always creating things as I'm like looking at my suspended with cables and a winch above my ceiling, my, my plant, my plant uh, creation that I made a couple of years ago that my husband's like, what do you want to do? Like you, you gain these skills and you just get to create things. I, every day it's, I get to problem solve. It's never, very rarely do I have a boring day where I'm not thinking. And I love that I'm constantly thinking with my job. Like there's different aspects of the elevator trade where it can be uh, you know, you don't not necessarily lead mechanic and you're just following a print and, and it's a, it's not as brain heavy, but a lot of it is brain heavy. And I love that. I love that. I'm never going to be bored at work. I'm always going to be using my brain and which is good, right? It's good for you to use your brain, right? Oh, totally. I mean, and every day is a new day. Like even if you're working on the same piece of furniture or the same elevator or the same job site, like you're, you're, you are literally doing something a little bit different every day. Even if you're doing the same sort of task, but in a different unit, if you're in a big, tall high rise or whatever, like every, every day is a new day. Mm -hmm. Every yeah. day is a new day. Like it's never, it's never Groundhog Day. No, <laughs> no, it's, it's always interesting. I, I used to do construction. So I did new construction for about eight years, uh, running jobs for, as soon as I became a mechanic. So that was really fun too, like dealing with other trades, the supervisors, the GC, organizing everything. I really love that aspect. Uh, of doing that, of, of organizing. I love organizing things and, and creating processes of making things smooth and foreseeing issues ahead of time. Like, oh, I see that's going to happen. Fix that now. Not going to be an issue when it comes to, I love that kind of stuff. I made a switch three years ago now to a different company so I could work in service. So now instead of building them from the ground up, I fix the old ones. So I could be troubleshooting and yeah. that kind of stuff. Oh, so yeah. sometimes I'm working with something that's two years old and sometimes it's 80 years old. I never, I never really know. And it's, it's, I learn a lot more and great photos of some really cool old elevators and stuff like that, which is really oh, cool. and rooftop views. That's oh, like the secret things about the elevator trade. We see the best sunrises because we get all the, most of the machine rooms are on the rooftop. So in Vancouver, looking over everything, the North shore mountains, I've, I've gotten some amazing photos over the years. Oh, wow. Very cool. So I mean, you've been in the trades for quite a while. You've been advocating for women in trades for quite a while. What do you see as far as changes go that really excite you about, you know, women coming into the trades or how they're treated? Like, are are we seeing the needle move at all? Like, are are you really excited about anything that you're seeing? Yeah, I think this, the Be More Than a Bystander, training that the BCC WIT does with uh, the EBA, Ending Violence Association of BC, that seems to be really making a difference. Most instructors at a lot of the technical schools now are doing, are taking that course, union leaders, company leaders. I think it really opens their eyes to what happens to women and other underrepresented groups on the job site, yeah. because it's really kind of in their face, like this happens and this is wrong and you need to be more than a bystander you need to yeah. be an ally and you need to advocate and it really gives them the skills to be better allies and to advocate for women in underrepresented groups on the yeah. on the job sites and in the unions and at the company that's making a difference them actually learning how bad it can be mm -hmm. and also the small changes that make a big difference like access to a clean and safe washroom yeah 
proper PPE that fits. Yep. What fits six foot guy probably isn't going to fit five foot six me, right? Yep. We have some very petite women that had to get special ordered fall harnesses. That's just what you have to do, right? Yep. Have, I'm on my safety committee with the company and I make sure that every time they bring up new safety equipment, I'm like, oh, make sure you get it in smalls and extra smalls, please. Because some of the sisters have very small hands, slighter yeah. figures, they're not, that's not going to fit them in a medium or a large. Yeah. And it's, it's those types of things that are making a difference. I almost uh, feel too, like, in the, I haven't taken the be a bystander, but I've, you know, I'm aware of other things and, and, mm-hmm. and oftentimes if there isn't like this is the language that you use, or this is what you need to be aware of. And like really mm-hmm. highlighting and pinpointing what it is, people will stand back and go, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of know that's wrong. It doesn't sit right. My gut tells me that it's not right, but I don't know what to do. I don't have the language. I don't have the the strategy. I don't have the logistics around the, the change that maybe needs to be made in order to be a really strong ally. So I think a program like Don't Be a Bystander um, it will give a voice to all of that. And enable people who maybe would want to speak up but don't know how the tools to do it. And I think that's just a, a fabulous thing. Yeah, it, it really is, right? Give people the tools so they can use them. And they do pick the people that take that course too. They make sure that they're people that are ready to be allies. Yeah. Because there's no point. If someone doesn't want women in the trade, oh, totally, yeah. that's not the course for them. Like that's they're not going to gain any skills that are going to help them. I think it is getting better. The BCIB with the hiring practices for some of those big projects where they have to be local underrepresented groups indigenous women like and they actually have to be learning trades because they've done that before where they've created quotas so there would be women cleaning up right yeah. uh now they actually have to be apprentices and they have to be learning a trade yeah. and things like that those are good like some people are like uh i'm like no those are good we want we want the community around like patella bridge for example here at new westminster we want people from our community building that yeah we want those people to go to work because they live right there like barbara from bc trades and society is working on that project it's it's amazing she's like so close to home it's it's fantastic and she's and she's loving the work right it's so rewarding to be able to build something that then you're going to be able to look at every day and be like hey i built that like i worked on that big huge yes yeah yeah, there's a few things that I, I contributed to that I, like, there's a, a house on Georgia Street that was a, a heritage thing and I drive by it all the time. And there's these corbels at the top underneath the roof line. And I remember cutting all of those out <laughs> with a bandsaw at, the, at one of the places that I worked at. It's like, I drive by there all the time. I'm like, I cut those out. It's like, you know, there's this point of pride that you can say, I, I, I did that. I can see it. There's a tangible item of something that I, I had my hand in. Like it's, and to be able to see it all the time or drive across it in the case of the Patella Bridge. Yeah, it's it's amazing to point out those things. Like, you know, I'm always pointing them out to my head. Oh, I worked in that job. Oh, I did that. Like, <laughs> it's such a fun thing to point out. And it's such a nice, It's a, you should have pride in the work you've done and, and things you've accomplished. Whether it be, you know, doesn't matter what it is, right? Any anything you do in life, you sh- you should you should be proud of what you do because everything's everything's amazing. To get something done and to do something on your own is, you know, that's that can be really hard to do sometimes. And sometimes the deck is fully stacked against you, and you still succeed and you're still successful, and you should be proud of that. Absolutely. Well, I don't know. Um, I I always like to try and end the shows with. A little bit of humor or something that's a little bit fun because you know we can talk about 
things all day long, but you know, I always like to give people a bit of a giggle. So elevators, I, you know, there's gotta be a ton of jokes that have come <laughs> up. You must get them all day long. You must've heard every single one of them. So maybe just roll off a couple of ones that I actually Googled a few that I'm going to roll off after you're done. <laughs> well, there's a couple that you could probably think of that are inappropriate. I'll, I'll let everyone think those ones out on their own. Yeah. But uh, one of the ones I hear so often, and it does always make me giggle, uh, is like, How's it going? A lot of ups and downs, I'm assuming. Those types of ones. I get those ones all the time and it always makes me laugh. It's it's cute. It's someone trying to strike up a conversation with me and and I always give it a smile and, and joke about, oh, I haven't heard that one for a while. Kind of <laughs> well, a, a, a couple that I, I Googled today, one of them is, why do they call them lifts in the UK and elevators in the US? It's because we're raised differently. Oh, that's a good uh -huh. one. I haven't heard that one before. Yeah. And one I'm sure that all the kids out there would like is why did the sad ghost take the elevator to lift his spirit? Oh, <laughs> those are good. I like those. I'll definitely have to teach the second one to my niece once she's old enough. She'll like that one. Yeah. She, she loves, she loves tools. That's like one of my highlights right now. I buy her all kinds of kit tools, just three and a half. And she nice. loves, loves working with her little tool sets and helping me whenever oh. I go over to the house to you know, whether it be changing a light or putting together, I put together her bed frame and stuff like that. Nice, nice. All right, so the very last question I'm gonna ask you is, what is your favorite tool and why? Um, My favorite tool. Or, or one that you couldn't possibly do your job without, like that you, it's constantly in use all the time. So uh, two things always on me. I always have my terminal screwdriver because we are always, doing up and undoing wires and it works great for a little pry thing for here and there and then one of the elevator specific tools is called a lunar key or a drop key if you see those little holes on the elevator door it's yep. the key that fits in there that we then can turn to open up the elevator door to access the car top okay so it's called a lunar key a lunar key which i always loved because i loved the moon when i was a kid so i was, I was like lunar like the moon so i mean <laughs> why is it called a lunar key uh, some of the shapes of the original keys actually like a crescent. So, okay. Well, yeah. that makes sense. All right, lady, any other parting words that you want to share with all of us or anybody who's listening? Um, one of the things that people have said to me previously in the trades is that I'm special and that's why I'm able to be an elevator mechanic. Mm -hmm. I am not special. I was just given different opportunities at a young age to learn tools and most people, whether they be men or women, if given the opportunity to learn how to work with tools, could work with tools, could be a construction worker, could be a trade. It's not, I'm not special. I was just given an opportunity. So I, that's one of the things like, oh, you're special. I, my sister, my wife, or my, you know, my girlfriend couldn't do this. I'm like, yeah, I bet you they could if they were given the opportunity and the right instruction and patience and time. I love that. That's a great way to end this show. Thank you. So Nicole, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. It was fabulous to talk to you. I'm definitely going to see you at some of these meetups coming up. I'm looking forward and, to it. Um, I really do appreciate you coming on the show again. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's it's always lovely to talk about women in trades with someone else that's uh, pushing forward and breaking it. It's all part of becoming a community, right? Yes, exactly. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks again. Bye. Okay. Thanks for listening, and I hope you feel as inspired as I do. 
If you or someone you know has interest in the trades, there are many resources, many programs and supports. There's also a ton of women's groups out there specifically for those who are in the trades. We'll list a number of them in the show notes, but be sure to reach out if you're having challenges finding some in your area. We're all in this together after all, and we're happy to help in any way we can.